0: All right. If you're going to be opening your Bibles. Our text tonight will come from Luke chapter 17 as we uh, continue to think about being thankful this time of year. And if you are uh, going to be traveling this week, my prayer for you will be that you will be safe and that you will uh, enjoy your time with friends and family, and that uh, the scale will not be too unkind to you if you choose to get on it next weekend it is a challenge for some of us, um, for sure. It is that time of year where we place special emphasis on counting our blessings, and uh, some of us were talking this morning, and we were kind of joking around this time of year when we kind of slow down, and I don't know whoever came up with that, but this seems to be the time of year when things just spin almost out of control, because we can't hardly get everything on the calendar that needs to be there. But hopefully. We do find some time to reflect, uh, to slow down, to think about the year, and to think about what's ahead, and to think about what God has done for us. And in those moments, I believe one of the appropriate questions to ask is simply, why me? You know, why am I so blessed? Why did I happen to be out of all the times? Why did God? Uh, why did I happen to be born in this particular time in the history of the world? And, and why was I privileged to be born uh, in a hospital, in a delivery room that, that was sanitary and that was clean, in an American hospital instead of maybe uh, in a mud hut in a third world country where uh, it, it was, a, you know, I might not even live? And why did I have the the privilege of going to school and being blessed by capable teachers who had everything at their disposal that they needed to provide me with a good education when there are so many young children around the world that maybe they're learning without books and they're learning without an adequate facility and teachers who don't have everything they need in order to teach. And as I'm raising my children when I, in those years, when I'm tucking them into bed at night, why is it that I'm able to tuck them into a, a nice warm bed with clean sheets and they can go to bed feeling safe when so many children around the room, or around the world, I mean, uh, maybe they're laying down in places that are neither sanitary nor safe. And why can I sit down to a warm meal literally any time that I want to and not worry about whether... I'm going to have that next meal or not, when so many aren't blessed in that way. And you know how it works. By Saturday, maybe by Friday, somebody's going to say, do we have to have turkey again? Aren't we? we? We do that. Why am I privileged to share in such wealth? And why me and not other folks? And why when I get ready to come to worship on Sunday morning or to come back on a Sunday night, when I, when I choose what Bible will I bring, I go to a stack of Bibles and choose from the one that I want to carry that night when there are people in this world who would desperately go about trying to have just one copy of God's Word. And so it's a question of why was I born in a land that I didn't build and a prosperity that I didn't create and enjoy a freedom that I didn't really establish. Why has God shown His favor on me and why has He shown His favor on you? And for me, one of the questions becomes, why does it sometimes take this special season, this special day, this special time of year to get me to think about those kinds of things when really I ought to be thinking about my blessings each and every day? You understand it, and we've talked about it, a constant awareness of our blessings. What that should result in is this this mindset and this lifestyle of gratitude, this lifestyle of thanksgiving, what I I once heard Steve Flatt refer to as thanks living. That should be the way that we do life. But are we as aware as we should be? And do we say thank you as often as we should? And. Is it possible that we've had so much for so long that sometimes we forget to express gratitude? Luke 17 is a a narrative in the life of Jesus. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. If you're not, it is one of these that we can learn from. But I'm going to read that, and then we'll just dive into our brief study uh, for tonight. In verse 11, Luke 17 says this, "...while he..." talking about Jesus, was on his way to Jerusalem. He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Wouldn't you love to be able to interview these guys? All ten of them, especially the nine, because when we read this and we study this, we're hats off to the guy who said thanks. The nine, we're like, what is wrong with these people? But wouldn't you love to be able to interview them? Because I believe if we could ask them some questions, I am confident that they were excited about the fact that they'd been cleansed. And I'm I'm like, I'm thinking they're probably a little bit overwhelmed. They cannot believe what has just happened to them, because in in a sense, you know, leprosy—it's a death sentence. It is—it cuts you off from society. Your life has been removed from you, and so in a very real sense, their lives have just been returned to them. And so, if we could interview them, I'm almost positive those other nine men would say, "Yes, I'm grateful." And yet they didn't go out of their way to say thank you, to express it, to say it out loud. I wonder sometimes if in our lives, our spiritual lives, I wonder if our spiritual lives are sometimes in some ways impoverished to a degree and maybe our spiritual growth stunted because we give not enough place to gratitude. Most of us in here on a Sunday night, most of us are Christians and we're grateful for our salvation and we're grateful for what God has done, but do we express it? Now, in business down at the school, we raise money and there is a principle upon which we try to do business. In other words, when a gift arrives, our goal, our stated goal is to have a thank you note back out the door in 24 hours. Now, Sometimes the post office delays us in getting that gift. You know, sometimes it's been several days because sometimes there's a delay downtown. But, but from the time that gift comes in the door, our goal is to make sure that a thank you note is going back out to that donor within 24 hours because it says something about gratitude. Business leaders, managers, people who are leading groups of people uh, understand that there's value in thanking uh, your, your folks, your team, showing appreciation to them. That's how you unite a team of people together to get things done. And we've probably all been on the other side of this. Something, maybe you've done something for someone and for whatever reason, the thank you was just a little bit, it finally came, but it just seemed like it took too long. So how are we doing at being thankful? Because the Bible over and over, the Lord smiles on those who express thanks. And so here in this narrative, Luke 17, some 20 centuries ago, Jesus, the Son of God, He's he's walking through the the human experience. And on this day, as He's on His way to Jerusalem, He encounters these ten men. The the nationality of, of, of them is not stated. Likely some of them are Jews because the one who isn't a Jew is stated to be a foreigner, stated to be a Samaritan. But recognizing Jesus, they call to Him. Jesus have mercy on us. And Jesus responds to them simply by saying, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And then miraculously on their way, as they're going, they are completely healed. One guy comes back to say thank you, and the question is, as he returns, and as we think about why he returned, what can we learn maybe that will bless us? As we live lives hopefully of thanksgiving and thanks living today. Well, number one, it's the idea that Jesus lives with us. Now, here's Jesus in his ministry, and he is he's interacting with people, he's physically present on the earth. Jesus lived among men. And it's important for us to understand that in a sense, he, he still does today, as God's son, he doesn't walk in human steps on our planet. But He's still aware of our needs. He still knows what's going on in our world. My life and my experience, your life and your experience here, those things are important to Him. These lepers met Him and we can meet Him also. That's our message to the world, the people who don't know Jesus. Our message is that yes, you can meet Jesus. He can make a difference in your life. You think about, again, being a leper, verse 12, they, they're standing at a distance. Remember what the Bible said about the person who would find themselves with that dreaded disease of leprosy? Go back to Leviticus chapter 13 and, and notice verse 45 and notice verse 46 because the Bible there reminds us of what these men are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Verse 45 says, As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean! He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's why these guys are standing at a distance. They can't be with their family members. They can't be with their friends. The only people they really have are each other because they're all unclean. And see, the thing we've got to remember is that these lepers, they've got several things in common with every person who hasn't yet met and who hasn't yet been changed by Jesus. Because these men, just like people today who need Jesus, they, and those of us before we were Christians, see, they're afflicted with a disease and so were we. And so are some still today. The disease they have, it's placed them all in the same boat. Now the, the disease today, you understand, it's sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin and leprosy... Both are a death sentence, one physically and the other spiritually. And so just like us before we're Christians, just like people today who still need Jesus, these men have no hope apart from Jesus. And so as our living Savior, Jesus in a sense, He does still live among us in the sense that He knows and He's aware of our needs. The second thing we want to mention is the idea that Jesus listens to us. There in verse 13, they raise their voices, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They call on the only one who can solve their problem. And sometimes we may have issues and we may have problems, and sometimes we may look for our solutions in the wrong places. But they call Jesus... And Jesus, true to who He is as the Son of God, true to who He is as our Savior, He doesn't avoid them. Sometimes for us, if we may know someone needs some help or we can tell that there's a need and maybe the situation's a little messy and maybe we don't want to get our hands dirty and down into that and so maybe we sometimes will avoid a messy situation. But not Jesus. You know, sometimes the phone rings and we see who's calling and we can see the caller ID and we are tempted to reject the call because we just deflate. We know it's not going to be good. Jesus never ignored anyone who sought Him for the right reasons. And These lepers, they make the right plea. Have mercy on us. They ask for something they really don't necessarily deserve, something that they cannot produce on their own, they understood that Jesus alone could give them back their lives. And obviously you understand Jesus is still the one, the only one who can return life to spiritually ailing people today. You remember how Peter said it in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He's he's speaking to the Sanhedrin and, and he says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be Saved. Jesus was the answer for these ten men, and He's still the answer for men today. The third thing we think about is the idea that Jesus looks at us. There in verse verse 14, the Bible says, "...when He saw them..." He said to them, go and show yourselves to the, to the priests. In other words, when Jesus sees, Jesus knows, He understands. Seeing is equal to understanding. And so in that village, on that day, Jesus saw those ten lepers and He understood what they needed. Again, we've kind of alluded to this already, but when he looks at your life, and he looks at my life, I may be able to hide certain things from certain people, but when Jesus looks at our lives, he sees everything, He knows our weaknesses, He knows our needs, He knows our ills. He knows. Hebrews four verse 13, "No creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to him, to the eyes of Him to whom we have or must give account. And so because He looks and because He sees and understands, He gives a command. Go show yourselves to the priests. Simple command. We too have been commanded. People today in this world who don't yet know Jesus, maybe they've not met him, maybe they don't know what he's commanded. Mankind today has been commanded. Jesus has stated what we must do. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He who has believed and has been baptized will be saved. And the interesting thing here is Jesus gives a very simple command, and these lepers, they're obedient. And they're obedient to Jesus in spite of what Jesus did not say. Jesus prescribes a remedy without a stated outcome. Did you notice that? He just simply says, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in their shoes, I might have some questions. Well, what's going to happen when I go to the priest? You know, do I go right now or do I wait a little while? You know, we might have some questions. Tell me what you really want me to do here. They don't ask any questions. And the Bible, it's amazing because the Bible says, as they went, no arguing, no complaining, no wishing for a different way, no Naaman type syndrome. They're cleansed. And how amazing that must have been to hear Jesus give the command to take one step in the right direction and to see improvement. And to take another step in the right direction and to see more improvement. And as you're going, you're literally being cleansed. You've got to give these guys, even if they didn't all come back and say thank you, you've got to give them credit for their faith. Do we have enough faith to simply obey? To dive into Scripture and when Jesus says, okay, this is what I want to see in your life. To simply obey. And when Jesus says, this is the way I want you to treat people, to simply obey. Whatever it is Jesus prescribes, do I have enough faith to simply obey? Because they're cleansed as they're going. And it's the same for when we go to the right place for mercy and when we obediently humble ourselves, we too are cleansed. And again, it's the message we share with the world. Finally, we note from the text that Jesus loves. He loves us. One man is thankful, and the text doesn't necessarily talk about love, but you see Jesus' love and His regard for people in His willingness to make a difference in their lives. And through that, one man chooses to come back. One man chooses to to express his thanks. He understands the magnitude of what Jesus, the gift that Jesus has just bestowed upon him. Again, his life has essentially been returned. The sentence of death that he's under has been lifted. But nine men ran not thinking about, not focused on necessarily from what we can tell the giver of the gift. And for us, because of the fact that we've been placed where we have and because of the fact that we have so much and because of the fact that we've had so much for so long, we live in a situation where new blessings seem to flow down upon us literally every single day. And yet that salvation blessing, even if we overlook all the others, should be the one that continues to keep our focus and our attention on living lives that are thankful because we no longer live under the death sentence. One man goes on his way ready to live. The Samaritan has responded properly to the love of Christ. 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. And our response should be the same, falling on our faces in thanksgiving. Because as Christians, our lives have been returned to us. We are blessed in so many ways and with so many good things. Robert Bruce relates the following incident. He said, while walking along a busy street one day, he said, I heard someone singing... And his sweet voice was distinguishable even above the noise of the traffic. And when I located the man who was singing, I noticed that he had no legs and he was pushing himself along uh, in a wheelchair. And so finally catching up with him, he, I said to him, I said, I want you to know, friend, that to hear singing from a person in your condition, it just, it just gives all of us a lift, everybody who hears you. And the man in the wheelchair responded, with a grateful smile, and he said this. He said, When I stopped looking at what I'd lost and began concentrating on all that I had left, I found much for which I could rejoice and be happy. What are we thankful for tonight? I mean, no matter what may have gone wrong along the way, are are we focused on what we still have left? Those clothes that, that maybe because we've had a few of those Thanksgiving meals, maybe they fit a little bit too snug, but it but it means that I've got enough to eat. And my shadow, when I'm out there in the sun, that shadow that's watching me work, it's, it's a blessing because God still blesses me with a bright sunny day. Am I thankful for that lawn that needs mowing and those leaves that need mulching and those windows that need fixing and all of those things, those projects? Am I thankful for them because it means that I have a home to live in? Am I thankful when I go into into Walmart and I finally find that parking lot or parking place at the very end of the parking lot and I'm able to park there because it means I'm still capable of walking? Am I thankful for that? It's gotten cold and... The heating bills are going to get large. But am I thankful for that big heating bill again because it means that I've been able to be warm? Am I thankful for all the complaining that I hear about our government because it means that we still are in a place where we have the freedom to speak and the freedom to speak our mind? When I'm in the worship, am I thankful for that person who sings off key because it means I can still hear? And am I thankful for the piles of laundry and ironing they are going to pile up when the company comes to my house to visit this week because it means that my loved ones are nearby? Am I thankful for that alarm that's going to go off too early in the morning because by it going off and me hearing it, it means that I'm still alive to greet another new day? And after I put in a long day, am I thankful for that weariness and those aching muscles because it means that I've been productive? Most of all, understanding that for all of us who are Christians, the idea that no one can steal my salvation from me. See, an aspect of spiritual maturity is the idea of realizing that every good gift comes from God. James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Some people develop the ability just to be appreciative by nature. Sometimes that's a challenge for us. But for all of us, we need to try to develop the idea to express thanksgiving. The very breath in our mouths is a gift from God. And from Scripture, we're reminded over and over that being thankful is an attribute of who we are supposed to be as God's children. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, second part of the verse, and be thankful. Philippians 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God the mature Christian realizes that life itself is a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only from His bountiful hand. And so tonight, as we're reminded about our need to be thankful, our greatest blessing is that the love of Christ has been demonstrated to you and demonstrated to me. And the question is, how have we responded to that? Have we responded like the one or have we responded more like the nine? In other words, Jesus went to the cross. Jesus made salvation possible and our response to him, our obedience to him, our surrender to him, our our becoming Christians is that response of thanksgiving. To ignore his great gift though is to be a whole lot like those nine. So how have you responded to his love? If you're a Christian tonight, have you forgotten to be thankful? Can you make a resolution, even though it's not New Year's yet, to say, you know, I'm going to find a way to be more thankful to my God? Or is it possible tonight that you're here, still wandering through this life outside of Christ, with that death sentence of sin still hanging over you? Please don't leave here in that condition if that's where you are tonight. Because just like Jesus changed the lives of these ten men, He's ready to change your life tonight. And all you've got to be willing to do is surrender your life to His, come with that broken heart, baptized into Him for the remission of your sins, and ready to begin living that life of thanksgiving. Tonight, if you have a spiritual need, the, the, the song asks the question, why not tonight? And if you have a need, let it be known while we stand and while we sing.